for coming to We Have Always GM, GMing <coughs> advice by women for women. Mm. Uh, we are communally overwhelmed and gratified by the turnout to this panel, so I just want to go ahead at the beginning and thank you all for coming. Thank you uh, so much. Yes. <laughs> Good job. All right, we have one panelist who's not here. Uh, she may be coming in during. If so, we'll, I'll introduce her then. Um, but in the meantime, let me go ahead and give you, my, give you our bios. Um, no, standing is better. <laughs> <laughs> I am Michelle Lyons McFarland. Um, I've been working in the RPG industry since about 2000. I've worked at FASA, back when it was the first FASA. I worked at WOTC. Um, my own game company is Growling Door Games. Um, and we have a number of things out, including Chill 3rd Edition. And I've been jamming for, gosh, seven years now, on and off. This lovely green-haired person is Sarah Richardson. She is the author of Velvet Glove, Glove co-author of Bluebeard's Bride, and the marketing director for Magpie Games. She GM'd her first game online a little over three years ago and has not stopped since. <coughs> she runs everything from OD&D to Lamentations of the Fire Princess? Flame. Flame Princess. Close. And apoc to Apocalypse World, the Dungeon World, to games of grown making for both friends and strangers at conventions. <coughs> and our other lovely panelist here is Darcy Ross. Darcy Ross got hooked on GMing with the release of Monty, Cook's game, Monty Cook Games' New Minera in 2014 and has since enjoyed running all things Cypher, Rules Light Indie Games, and AD&D 2nd Edition Planescape. Planescape. That's a box. <laughs> She's much more experienced with one-shots than campaign play and enjoys co-GMing. She's a scientist who studies weird animal life, so her games have a skew toward the squicky and stranger-than-fiction of invertebrate life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nothing makes her happier than seeing someone take up the mantle of GM for the first time. Darcy is the community relations coordinator for Monty Cook Games. I wrote a long bio. So Oops. let's just start. The way we're going to do this is we're going to talk a little bit about how we got into GMing, and then we're going to move to a Q&A section. I'm going to be your moderator today. I might help out a little bit if I, the panelists <laughs> ping me. Uh, but otherwise, I'm going to try and just act as facilitator. Everybody good? Woo! Woo! You guys are so great. I know. <laughs> All right. So, Sarah? Yes. How did you start GM? Um, well, I have been a player of many games for uh, most of my life. I started playing OD&D whenever I was a kid with my uncles and kind of played off and on uh throughout my life, stopping for long intervals and going back. And I never really thought I could GM a game. Like, I had this impression that you had to be able to spurt parts of the rule book out without looking at it. Um, which is... I don't know. I probably didn't have any GMs who could do that always, so I don't know how I got that impression. But... Uh, so I was always the player, and I got to play with really amazing GMs and figured out what I liked and what I didn't like and what they did. Um, and then I saw some women GMing and realized that m maybe I could do that. Um, so uh, I used to be involved in an organization called Contessa. Uh, and so I saw these other women GMing and it finally crossed my mind like, why can't I do that? I can do that. Uh, so... <laughs> I decided to jump into the deep end and I facilitated my first game online on YouTube and it's still up. Um, may not have thought that through, <laughs> but it went really well. Um, and it was for one friend and a couple of strangers. And I was like, Oh, okay. I can, I can do this. <laughs> in fact, I really like this. I might like this a little bit more than playing most of the time. So then I just kept doing it and trying different games to figure out like, do I like running this kind of game or not? You know, what kind of is fun and also works with my strengths. And it just kept going from there. Awesome. Darcy, how, what led you to GM? Uh, so I was at a Gen Con, and um, Montecook Games' Numenera had just been announced, so this was four years ago. And I, I heard about it through the, like, through Planescape, right? Because there was Planescape Torment, the video game. Now there was a Numenera Torment. I'm like, and it was this weird invertebrate squicky setting so I was all on board 
Um, and I got to try it out and I had a really good GM and, uh, there were a couple of women at my table and it was just like a really good inclusive environment and the setting is really inclusive too. And so I, I, like I fell in love with the setting so hard and I loved the system. Um, and I, you know, I, I realized that if I took it back to my gaming group at home, no one was going to run that for me. So the only way that was going to happen, so it was out of desperation, <laughs> um, was if I, I went home and, and ran it. And so I, I loved it so much. I took it home and I, I like forced a, a number of my closest friends to sit, you know, to bear uh, the horrible experience of my first game, right? And I shook the whole time with it and was really nervous, but, uh, but it, you know, it went totally fine. And I, after like the first session, I was hooked. I was running demos all the time. I just loved, and I loved seeing the progress, I think, like between my first game, like you, there's so much to learn in jamming that like every time I could, I could do this forever and still be getting better in different ways. And so that, uh, like that aspect of it really got me hooked, I think. And seeing people's enjoyment of it is the best feedback ever, right? That's awesome. I love to hear good jamming stories. And speaking of good jamming, or not, or, <laughs> or possibly like questionable or, or awkward jamming, yeah. you know, we want to hear your questions and we want to help you kind of work through it. Uh, so, questions. Who has questions? Don't look so scared. Yeah, it's okay. Do not be timid. We are here for you. It's a touchy subject. Okay. I'm really glad that this panel exists. I run a game store. Yeah. Because uh, it was different RPGs. I don't know what it's at. There's a place, basically. It's a place. Um, I found out, well, not that. But one of our GMs had a character sexually assaulted. Yeah. And I don't know how to deal with it. Because it's in the past, I didn't hear from her. Yeah. It came back to me like through the grapevine. And I'm I don't want that happening on store. Yeah. But then I think, but we're okay with killing people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I feel like I have to draw a line. Mm. And so I just don't know how to handle this. So I really am glad this forum to like tap the collective conscious and get some feedback to address do I address this one person? Mm-hmm. Do I address the community and say, hey, these are our rules. If you're going to play in my store, this is how you have to, this is the kind of um, And hopefully that the guilty party will understand that, yes, I'm talking to you. Yeah. And this is not okay. <laughs> and it doesn't happen. Because that, the, the player, obviously it becomes a character in the game. Right. So it didn't advance the story or to my understanding. Yeah. And the, um, No, no, we'll right, get you. Let's, let's, let's pick up from there. You want to go first? Who wants to hit that one first? Uh, I don't know. It's, I it's, will just offer it up. I, I'm really, I'm interested to hear what you have to say because, um, okay. well, partly, be, <laughs> partly because, um, and, you know, I don't, I don't know everything about the, the store dynamics, and I think that that requires some expertise that maybe you guys will know more about um, in sort of, like, more public spaces. Um, but, like, uh it's tricky, especially because there are games like Lamentations of the Flame Princess, where, like, horrible things are happening of occasionally, you know, gendered natures or, or things that are, are really sensitive um, in terms of those things. So, like, I I wonder whether it would be helpful to have, you know, these are, these are the acts you cannot do versus, like, a systemic, like, our store policy is to every GM has to, like, you know, go around and say, like, here are some themes I was thinking about including. Do you feel okay about these? Um, and uh, of which, you know, like sexual assault of a character could be something you always have to check in with your players about. And if they don't okay it, then you go from there. I don't know if that's, I, that's something I do with home games. And it's much easier when it's people you're sitting with and you have the time and it's, there's less of the social pressure of, of a, of a store. Um, what do you think about that? Um, I don't I mean, know if, yeah. That that's kind of where I lean towards too, because I would I would never suggest blanket banning anything. Um, and I say that partially because the games I've made <laughs> you're both laughing. <laughs> um, deal with stuff like sexual assault. Admittedly it's from a different point of view because the people who made the game are women. Um, and also I run Lamentations of Flame Princess frequently. <laughs> uh, 
So if a store told me point blank, you cannot have sexual assault in your game, it would actually make me not want to run games there. Um, but having a community standard mm-hmm. and making people talk about what the content of their game is. So there's a difference. If you tell me, Sarah, you can't come here and run here because we heard what you did to that fox in that game. It's different. There was no fox, I swear. Uh, is, is different than saying, if you're going to run the game, uh, tell us if this game contains stuff like sexual assault, slavery, extreme violence. And I mean, for story games not trad games, there are safety mechanisms like X cards that you can use at the table. But having a base community standard of people talking is good, but having actual orientation for your GMs Mm. and explaining expectations, maybe even a code of conduct, is not a bad idea. So I would follow up on that and suggest that this is not unlike having games at a convention where you're running in a public space for community and you don't know who's going to be there. Instituting kind of a movie rating system is kind of good, so that way you have some buy-in. Yep. Also, the X card as a mechanic works really well for traditional games as well as indie games. So if something happens at the table, like I'm going to take your character off and and rape is going to happen, you tap the X card and you're like, I'm going to take your character off. And then that's it. And that works. So that's a way that people can get out and often that makes it to where they're more comfortable handling delicate topics at the table because they know there's a safety device. So if they really can't deal with it, they don't have to. Could we explain the X card real quick? Oh, yes. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, So the X card, it's a really simple mechanic. You grab a piece of paper and you draw an X on it. So any kind of note card or whatever. Um, And you can have one in the center of the table or everyone can have one by them. And um, if there's some kind of content that arises that you're just like, that, that player is wants kind of off the tables, you know, something arises. And it could be as simple as like, you know... Spiders. Spiders, exactly. To- I was, that was one of the examples. Do not make spiders come out of my mouth. Spiders or like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and it could be something that you wouldn't think would like really upset you. Like, but like my grandfather passed away recently. I don't want a game where there's an old man being like sad and near death. Like that's just going to make the game unfun for me. So I would just X card that and suddenly it's like a middle-aged woman. It doesn't matter, but it like it stops the game from being unfun with you for you about that particular topic. So you just tap that X card, um, and they sort of seamlessly move away from whatever that was. And it doesn't change the story, you know, it just changes the unfun bit of it for you, right? And as a player, you don't have to give the reason. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to go into the backstory of why you don't want this. You just note that this is not okay for you, and the GM can change the details or omit that one part, and everybody moves on. So does that help? Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Excellent. That's a great um, question. Let's, yeah, thank you. You first, and then Lady in the Brown. Do you mind if I help answer? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm a moderator for an online uh, GM-less role-playing group. We have had minors in the past. And so some of the topics at Star Wars base, some of the topics go that direction. Um, and so we have an, a not-safe-for-work channel. So if you're going to do anything that goes sexual huh. violence, or, I like um, that. Torture or slavery or anything like that, you go to the Not Safe for Work channel. Um, so maybe then you can yeah. cordon off a section of your store that's not safe for work. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. A follow up How do you incorporate the X card if it's a plot relevant, sensitive topic? Mm. It's a good question. Um, do you have experience with this? <laughs> I, I say that I say that because um, it's something I think about a lot and I get asked about a lot. Is like, well, what you know? How do you get people? How do you make sure people aren't just x carding a plot move that you, they don't like? You know, like something bad happens to my character, I'm just going to x card it so it doesn't happen. Um, and I and I've never experienced anyone doing that, so I've been struggling to think about how to handle it. Um, yeah, yeah, I have. Um, okay. So just just to give a little bit of background. Uh, the game Bluebeard's Bride um, is based on the fairy tale, and you, you play the bride going through your husband's house trying to figure out whether or not he's a murderer. And in each room, you encounter evidence of violence that happened in the house. It is not a happy game. I mean, it's fun, but it's not happy. 
And um, as I alluded to, one of because the the way we made the game touches on the things that affect women's lives. Sexual assault is frequently a theme. And so I have had people tell me up front before playing the game, they would prefer for there not to be sexual assault in the game. I've had them X-card it in the middle of the game as well. And at that point, I kind of feel it is then my responsibility to find a way around that. Okay, oh, yeah, I recommend also on? moving up. I can't make the train and we don't have microphones. So feel but free to... Also speak up. We can yeah, do that. Stand up. Standing up will help. Thank you. Yeah. Even over here, we're up front, we can't hear anything. So. Got it. Oh, sorry. I'm a little soft-spoken, too. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. So, I've had people ex-card the uh, sexual assault before the game and during the game. And... During the game, one time I was running Bluebeard's Bride, and I had set up a room, as you do the GM for this game, where they went into a kennel, and I described an older man who was doing some rather terrible things to a younger man, and a player had to stop the game, which totally fine, we took a break, like I totally understand. He wasn't expecting it, and it was very intense. He thought about it, talked through it, and ultimately what I had to go back and do was change that room. I had to go back and change my story because he was not having fun. Um, and that's with a story game. With a traditional game where I had pre-set out a plot line and one of the players is like, I can't do this, I would stop. I might want to talk to them at that point so that we could figure out what exactly is wrong. But if they're just like, no, I want everyone to have a good time, so I would change my own story. Or we wouldn't play that game together. Have you ever had that happen? Um, I have not had that happen per se. But I tend to run a very character-oriented game where we talk about when we set up the characters, like, you know, what are the characters' goals? What are you okay with? What are you not okay with? In, in general terms, before I get a lot of story done. So I, I tend to address that by doing a sort of social contract thing before we even start. Like, uh, one of the games that I run repeatedly for my group is Dresden Files. You guys familiar with Dresden Files RPG? Um, and one of my players uh, deals with uh, children who come from, let's say, challenging backgrounds. And his no-go for playing is no violence and bad stuff for kids, mm -hmm. right? Well, if you've read Dresden Files, you know that this is by no means a guarantee for this series because there are small people and they do get put in danger and they do have bad things happen, but they don't in my game because I know already that that's not something that my player wants to deal with and it's going to rule out the game. So I try and address that early on so that we don't end up with that surprise. And that's not to say that you won't end up with something in the middle of a session, but if it's in the middle of a session it and you don't know about it and there's nothing about it like a larger issue ahead of time, that tends to be a detail you can change as opposed to a linchpin hmm. that you're stuck with and you don't know what to do from there. Does that make sense? And Michelle brings up a great point. There is a difference between running a one-shot for strangers at a convention and running a home game. Because those are your friends that you can, you can, you know what bothers them, you can talk about it, hopefully. Uh, whereas strangers at a convention, you have a four-hour slot to pack everything in that you can, so you may not have the time to figure that out. And that's whenever mechanics like X-Card and everything come very much in handy. Yeah, the question. I was just going to mention there's a variation in the X card where you do red, green, and yellow, and they mean exactly yeah. what you think. Like green, and green's great to hit, so people don't interrupt to be like, "I enjoy this very much." <laughs> <laughs> so I've played, I've played in games where like somebody else or in my party or my GM is kind of like messing with my character, and I can hit the green card at the same time, being like, "You stop that right now!" You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "This is really 
yeah, yeah. You know, and I can hit the yellow card if I'm like, oh, I don't know if we're going into a place I'm not comfortable with. And I can hit the red card if I'm like, hold up, I, I need to talk. And so, and it's they are borrowed as many of us probably know from like the kink community. <laughs> yep, yeah. And they're also and it makes sense because they're also role players and they're also really interested in consent. And I uh, picked this mechanic up last year at One Shot's playing vulnerable uh, nice. session. Oh, so it, as a as a mechanism as a as a mechanic that allows people to play more vulnerably to go into places that they're not sure they're going to be comfortable in because they know they can. They can surface. They can it's, get out of it. Especially with character conflict. That's yeah. so great to say. You know, I'm, I'm role-playing negative words at you, but I want to keep this going. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's so good. Thank you. Can I get your help for a minute? Absolutely. Let's move this table a little bit more to the middle, because I can tell that these guys over here can't hear anything. Okay. And this wall is killing it. It's just stayed here last year, it doesn't stop. Oh gosh. Hey, we go. There we go. This feels weird. It does feel weird, but it'll get okay. <laughs> All right. Next question. Yes, ma'am. Okay, um, changing subject a little bit. Um, I have what I now know was a very unique experience in introduction to role-playing games. Mm. Uh, it was at college. Um, the mix of gender was very much 50-50. Yes. Um, I was in a... My, my first real role-playing game was a game that was uh, created. The world and the system by a woman was run by a woman, and it went for 15 years. We had nice. a very good... In fact, we had more women players than men players. <laughs> People played cross-gender. I mean, everything was, and everything was wonderful. It was fine. Um, I've gotten back in the game recently in a very different community with very different standards, very male-dominated, um, and uh, very misogynistic. I'm trying to start my own game so that I can change that. What's a good way for me to find players and find other members of the gaming community that are not maybe part of the gaming store that I used to go to, um, but finding people in around in the area that are not as anti-female, mm -hmm. or maybe yeah. even just open-minded, you know, yeah. then what's a good way of finding players as a new GM? You're the community. It's your turn, Darcy. <laughs> okay. Um, so I have some weird ideas. Okay. I'm great. Bear with me. Okay. Uh, so I live in Chicago, and I... Ooh, Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Chicago. Yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Um, and and I, I recently had some really great success uh, running, like, 30-minute demos for Total Strangers at the Adler Planetarium. So they have, like, an Adler After Dark Night, so it's, like, all adults, wow. have a cocktail, walk through some music. It's a game-themed night. And there was, like, an overwhelming amount of people who wanted to play these games who had never touched a role-playing game before. And, um, and I, you know, a lot of them are... You know, they were like, oh, yeah, I used to do theater back in the day. And I feel like there's so many adjacent nerd communities who, like, I, I'm really big about, like, we need, like, so many people could be role-playing and having a blast and aren't yet. Um, so I, and, and, but I think it's, like, it's pretty helpful to have these kind of low-stakes environments for them to try it out in, as opposed to, hello, a bunch of, you know, theater-minded people come to this game store that maybe already isn't as welcoming and, like, and also sit down for a one-shot, which can take some hours. So I'm... Um, so I, I'm really interested in those kind of low stakes. If you can find other communities where there's like some kind of nerd event happening, have a little demo table to try out some really light role playing. I, I don't know. I think people really responded to that. And then, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of, that's my main push. I also like, I'm really an aggressive, like finder of acquaintances and saying, hello, <laughs> come, come to my house and like, I'll make dinner and we'll play a game. Don't worry about it. Hello, you're in a role-playing game. <laughs> That's maybe not the most honest way to go about it, but it has been effective. It's a chaotic neutral you got way to go. Pardon? It's a chaotic neutral way to go. It's a chaotic neutral way to go. It very is. <laughs> Bribery with food. Um, I also play a lot online. Yes. So whenever I find wonderful people who live in other states, <laughs> not people who live in the same town, apparently, uh, <laughs> I remain friends with them, and then we play games together. Um, this may not be a popular thought, 
but I have a question for you in yeah. return. So if if you had this awesome gaming experience for 15 years, yes. have you thought about having a women's only gaming group? Yes, I would love to. Ooh. And I want to run the system that, that she created. So I'd be like oh, the third cool. person on the planet to run it. Um, so like I, I don't know how to use like Rule 20 because I don't know the, the rule system that doesn't exist on Rule 20. Mm. Plus there's like copyright because she hasn't trademarked it yet and everything. So I don't know how much I can do like open online stuff. You know, she she says I can print out the rule book and hand it to people, mm. but you know, stuff like that. So I have all these other issues that I hope to explore in other panels, but I thought, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. One thing I, I can say from a lot of playing online, why well, I love Rule 20. Yeah. Um, in the end, all you need is a video feed. Yeah. Like all everything else, it's great if you have materials you can share online. Yeah. But this is all in our imagination. Yeah. yeah. So if it comes down to it, you can just have a Skype or a Google Hangout. Okay. I've done it with just audio and videos being funky too. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's all right. That's awesome. Great, thank you. Oh. Uh, around the pillar, and then Lady in the Brown Shirt. Do you find it more difficult to manage games online, especially with multiple players, and how do you tackle that barrier? Um, I like that question. So it was how to, to manage online games, um, if it's more difficult, and how to tackle it. The biggest thing is just it's so easy to talk over each other, and then it's not like in real life where you can still make it out. Um, some of that will be experienced playing with other people. Uh, some people will like twitch and kind of raise their hand whenever they want to talk, and you just pay attention to that. Um, I would not say it's more difficult because in the worst situation, which I've never had to do, you can kick a person out of a hangout. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oops, technical difficulties. We'll see you next week. Oh, we didn't call you. I'm so sorry. Um, which is easier than throwing someone out of your house. <laughs> but like I said, it's never been like that. Um, there's definitely people that I'm like, oh, I'm not going to play with you again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I mean, I've found it pretty great. I actually have had an online game uh, for the past two years. Nice. Because uh, we started out playing Dungeon World, and we played Urban Shadows, and now we're playing Baldur's <laughs> Uh But so those four people, we know each other. We rarely talk over each other. And we're snarky, so we use the chat function to snark at each other when it's not our turn to talk. <laughs> but that can also be really helpful for people who are like really getting nervous about speaking up. So if you're moderating it, be like, hey, if you have a thought or if you need to like, if you want to communicate a thing and you're just not getting a moment in, like telling them to, to chat it in is, is pretty effective. It can, it can almost be better for introverts sometimes yeah. than at a physical table because they can just get their message off quietly without having to interrupt anybody. Um, so I don't know. It, it has some benefits in that way. Like online format, we usually use just something about Hangouts. I use Google Hangouts um, almost exclusively. <laughs> like we've we've done a little bit of Skype, a little bit of Roll Twenty, but we always come back to Google Hangouts. And then there's always technical issues. There's the person who has to drop out yeah. and come back multiple times, and you just kind of kind of deal with it. Yeah, a little bit of patience. Discord is a big one now. Sort of a. I haven't tried it yet. Well, (laughs) I don't know too much about it, but it's another option. Yeah. I actually uh, just had a suggestion uh, for the the question of uh, uh, finding more gamers that are more like people here. Like what you were saying about poaching people from other uh, subcultures. It's a good way of putting it. Tend to be a lot of overlap. Like, yeah. pick something else that you're into that maybe already has a strong community in your area. Like, if you are into yarn crafts and there's a stitch yeah. in your area, go there and convince those people to become gamers. It's not hard. Nice. And then this, my other suggestion is a little unconventional, but I, I encourage you to give it a shot. Uh, go on dating sites. <laughs> go on to OkCupid or on to Tinder and make a profile that says, I'm looking for people to play games with. That's such a good idea. Because... <laughs> but specify your games. I was on OkCupid. <laughs> <laughs> specify the kind of games you want to play. 
like I was on OkCupid for a long time to date, and then I stopped dating, and because my schedule is pretty full up. But I still had it up that you know I'm a gamer and all this stuff, and I would still get messages from people like, I guess that you're not looking for anything romantic, but can I join your gaming group? You are so right. You are so right. And I and I have actually brought at least one person to our gaming group through dating that I never ended up dating. That is hilarious considering it a number of times in casual conversation I have told people I make role playing games and the questions I get make it clear they don't know what Dungeons and Dragons is oh, boy. <laughs> yes ma'am I have two comments and a question yeah. one is my child uses discord for online okay cool so, great because both of her friends are from all of them okay um, the other is that we're finding neighbors I don't most major cities have online forums available where you can advertise. Oh, a meetup. 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 Game and and she's in it. So and and man, after we had our first session, we all sat down and like, you know, debriefed because it felt so different. And so you know, I, I think that like, you know, if I don't know, it may not ever you know you you grew up on that, so like that might have been really different. And you know, I think everybody's going to come from different places, but for at least for our specific backgrounds, it felt really different. And um, and like I think with the play vulnerably thing, like we you know we had an X card sort of set up and, and it was and it was kind of used a little bit and so we all like kind of felt comfortable like going cool places that we wouldn't have otherwise uh, and it's it's been amazing um, just and in terms of the dynamic like not getting talked over like that's a big thing a lot of us have struggled with in our home groups by by beautiful darling woke well-meaning men who really mean well <laughs> and yet they keep talking over us so like but so actually you know having people who are socialized to like not interrupt it, 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 it's been really different and interesting, and I like it a lot. So um, that's been my experience with a limited uh, select group of otherwise... I mean, maybe it's just what happens when you game with amazing humans, so... <laughs> but what, how about you guys? Have you done it? Um, yeah. So uh, it is interesting to run Bluebeard's Bride for a mm. group of all women. Um, because women have a different reaction to the game. But I can find myself saying things almost as a shortcut mm. that they understand in a very visceral way that I have to explain when it's a table full of men. Yeah. Because sometimes they don't understand that the hot, young, stable dude who's all like, yes, mistress of the house, how may I serve you, is not a good thing. Um, or they think they can overpower this man. So since the game deals a lot with power dynamics, running it for men feels more instructional of experience, whereas women, sadly, all too often after the game are like, well, yeah, that's what life is like. Like, got it. Uh, you know, exaggerated and horror horrific. But um, they're like, I recognize that experience. And so that can be incredibly sad for me <laughs> the moments after the game um, but it can also be quite lovely to talk about it afterwards thank you so more yes. questions uh, so I've experienced once or twice being kind of shoehorned into the role as a female but like oh here I made this healer <laughs> <laughs> terribly uncommon yeah <laughs> it's only happened once but like, have you ever found that as a GM like players are expecting a certain kind of game She said that. Do you want to repeat it? So basically, the question is, you know, as a player, she's been shoehorned into, oh, I made this girl character. Here, you play that. Um, and asked if players seem to expect a different kind of game from her as a female GM than they might from a guy running a game. Did I get that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've gotten a little bit of the, what can we say around her? <laughs> I've also gotten that when I'm like the sudden only female player of like an all dudes game forever like ooh can I say that <laughs> like about really mundane things that I'm 
shocked anyone would think they can't say another another human. So I get a little bit of that, um, um, but but not too bad. Um, I'm trying to think of, you know, I think like if I if I swear in front of them, it diffuses some tension. <laughs> like like I'm the cool GM. You could swear in front of me. <laughs> um, that's what I've experienced a little bit. How about you? Um, I love when I get to a table full of pregens and there's one lady character and I don't take it. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have many funny stories about that. But uh, I, I, I definitely know what you're talking about. Um, not only have I had to argue with men over what kind of language I can use at my table, uh, my table, or whether or not I know the rules, <laughs> even of a game I made. Um, but I've had <laughs> I've had uh, some recent interesting experience in that normally men are a little unclear about what kind of game, and sometimes women a little unclear what kind of game they can expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and strangely, recently I've had a round of men who think, since I am a woman running a game, it's okay to try and get me to rape their character. Ah, yeah. Or otherwise indulge in some sort of thinly veiled sexual fantasy, um, which is kind of the opposite experience of most women, where you're playing a game and your character gets raped. Right. Um, so I definitely have people who are unsure of the boundaries and who sometimes think, because the kind of games I run, that I must not have any, which is not true. Uh, so... It's a little different than getting handed that healer, that cleric character, um, but it's still something that I do s- perpetually have to deal with. It's a lot of assumptions, mm. including walking up to the table and assuming I'm not the GM there. Yes, that happens the most. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things it comes down to is that essentially when we're dealing with gaming, and not just like our, our local community gaming, although sometimes that but the larger gaming, we're still dealing with a very gendered area that has certain expectations. Um, and when we violate those expectations by doing things like running games, woo, then uh, not everybody knows how that's going to affect the social contract. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. so things might get inappropriate. So the best solution that I've found for con games, because uh, that's when I tend to run into it, is to kind of step up and own the table and explain some of the ground rules for play before anything starts. That way they know what kind of language is expected. They know what kind of content is going to be there. Uh, They know that you know the game and you're setting out how the communication is going to happen, right? Like I'm going to go around in a circle. I'm going to call on you and ask you what you're doing. And then I'll determine what the role is, right? And those seem like really obvious things, but it just helps reinforce the expectations, right? And tell them what's kind of not on the table at the same time. So I don't know if you've tried that and it's worked for you, but that's what I do. I have yet to really GM in a public space, but I'm planning to start after this. Yay. Yay. Awesome. Next question. Yes. Her and then you. Uh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Um, the people I play with have a split interest between have them really like the role play aspect of the game and have them really enjoy mechanics. Like so, when they GM, you can tell it, like what kind of where they fall in. I want to provide a good like it's my first time GMing. I want to provide a good uh, experience for everybody. So how can I smoothly trans? Uh, uh, move from a mechanic time like a battle to like role play or after battle. Um, one thing that I I struggle with this too, uh, and I'm I'm a relatively I still consider myself kind of a new GM. There's just so much to learn, so that's exciting and great. And I'm I have great confidence in you because you're already thinking about what your players are going to receive um, from the game experience. So like I think you're you're in good they're in good hands. But um, the thing I I thought about is like. During combats, especially, if you can have some kind of like narrative goal, like if you can have a kind of a second thing, second objective that's that's happening in addition to just the battle. So like, you know, if you can give like some narrative fluff to the battle, sometimes that will like, you know, if if the players are really interested in kind of that that fluff, or you know, there could be 
a specific NPC who like they're interacting with, they can get some of that NPC interaction that some more story-based players like. Um, I think there are ways to like weave in the more narrative elements to your combat sometimes. Um, that's the best advice I have at the moment. great advice. Okay. Really great advice. Um, the only thing I would add to that is trying the spotlight technique where as you move from like I see you. You want to hit things with your club. Here's a thing to hit. Yeah. I see you want to romance this character. Here they are in danger. Save them and kiss nice. them. Nice. <laughs> yeah. so it's like as you move around. Will you GM for me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, as you as you move around the table, giving everyone like pointing it directly at them. Mm-hmm. I know you like this thing. Here it is. So. Lady in the purple shirt. And then um. and then pink hair. <laughs> I'm saying we're going to be packing up. Um, so I'm maybe sorry. this is an it's overall okay. GMing thing. Maybe it's a, just a me problem. Maybe it's something that ladies have. Um, ladies feeling like a significant other in the playroom when you're the GM. How do you avoid favoritism? Because I find that I've tilted too far the wrong way. <laughs> exactly what you did and so I'm bad at it and so maybe they'll have better advice from people who've actually been good at it but uh, but one thing that uh, uh, Jim McClure who has a podcast Talking Tabletop talks about is the eight kinds of fun and so he has a little list he has some like arcane note taking schema that he like he like lists the player and he like lists the type of engagement they're having and he makes a little check every time they're like oh they're like they like really got into this NPC interaction or whatever kinds of fun that is but that might be a good way to like visually be like, have I have I been neglecting any player? Has like has one player not gotten enough like uh, screen time or um, like engagement with the story? And so like that, it, you know, if you could make some little personal note taking thing, it might help. Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> Darcy's got to head out a little early to get yeah, to her next thing. So thank you again thank for being you with so us. Much. You guys are amazing. Pink hair, and then Lady in Black. Um, this has only happened to be with male players, but it, like, it's probably not a gendered thing. Uh, what do you do when you give your players permission, basically, and one or two of them just say, like, no, that's not possible, we're not going to do it, we're going to go do this other thing? Because there's only so often that you can be like, fine, but I'm going to punish you for that. Because if it's the same players in your regular group every week. And like I have one who always wants to go off and do his own thing, so I'm dealing with like the part I'm sorry, you just gave me a flashback. (laughs) (laughs) So like I have like the three people in the party who stick together and are like a good little team. And then I'm like, and then what are you doing in your own little world? And it's like not fair. To my good little mouse guard team. Oh, <laughs> mouse guard. Mouse guard. It's not just you, clearly. Um, although the most recent example was at a convention game, but it was a player who was playing a long con, so we played three games together. And about midway through the first game, I'm like, I see what you're doing there. I get it. Okay. So, same thing. Three players who are, who are playing together fine, and they're having a good time, and we're periodically having to stop and address Mr. Unique Unicorn. <laughs> um, so, since I knew I had him for more than one game, I tried to change his behavior. Whenever he would rejoin them, oh my god, he got so much attention and praise. I mean, I kind of treated him a little bit like a dog. (laughs) I'm like, you are being a good puppy. I am rewarding you. Here's a scene where you get to do something really cool, and everyone will notice. And whenever he went off on his own, he got less interesting things. So he would 
come back to the party a little more often. Uh, that's probably a little manipulative to do against your own friends. <laughs> um, in which case, I might just try and have a talk with him. Um, I might try different kinds of games. Ask him what he's interested in and doing. Because it sounds like, you know, they, they kind of have a goal. They have a thing they want. They just haven't told you what it is. Yeah, I think I don't that, that makes else. a lot of sense. You know, they're, people are trying, either they want to be the lone wolf, and that's their character goal. I am goal. so lone, lone wolf. Yes. I'm the wolfiest. I'm the wolfiest. <laughs> um, or there's a character goal that they feel like their character would do. I'm guilty of that. Right? He doesn't trust anybody, so I'm just going to leave. Well, and, and it's okay to confront that behavior and say, well, that character has now, like, gone off to do their own thing. Now you need to make one that plays with the party. <laughs> so it's okay to directly confront that. It really is. All right, uh, Lady in Black. And then we'll have time for one more. You. How do you address when your players don't realize that they're playing Oh, it hurts. How do you address it when your players, when one of your players is playing a slightly offensive trope? Oh. <laughs> Can you give an example? Yeah. If you're going to call out someone in the room, we like it. Go ahead. Uh. <laughs> English in my day job and we regularly I work with freshmen and we regularly get statements like the natives were really grateful that the Dutch came in and gave them organization and I'm like well, let's break that down because <laughs> you might have a point here but you're not making it so I think that oftentimes when somebody says they reach for that trope Right, and they're designing a character. It may be that they actually have something that's kind of cool they want to say, but they don't know how to say it. So saying like, well, okay, you want a gold digger. Tell me more about that. What does that mean? Well, like I want a woman who's after riches. Okay, so you want a woman who wants wealth. How does that play out? Why does she want it? Right? Encourage them to get that depth in the character so that it goes beyond being a trope. Now, you also then get the people who are just playing the stereotype, like, I have big boobs, you know? And and there's not a lot of depth to do with that, so you need to be able to, to draw the line between this is just offensive and you need to find something else versus let me help you work on this and find what you're really trying to do here. So, But one of those two approaches is almost sure to work. And you should always feel free to tell someone, you can't play that at my table. Because uh, your table, you set the rules. And you should always feel comfortable with that. Um, at a recent game of my teenage girl gang game, a man thought he was buying into the idea of, we are promiscuous teenage girls. And I'm like, wow, you're being really gross. Like, this is not okay. And he talked a big game about how liberal and feminist he was. And I'm like, no, this is an excuse for you to be really gross. Uh, I almost stopped the game and kicked him out. So it was very, very difficult. And if you're caught in the moment and by surprise by someone doing this horrible trope, it can be really hard to figure out what to do. But I did tell him very clearly, like, these three things are not going to happen. You're clearly aiming your character for this to happen. That's not, we're not doing that. So I, I X-carded him. Um, and he toned it down, and then he tried it again. So if it's someone that you know well, you can talk to them about it. If it's a stranger, it's, it's more of an interesting discussion that I don't have an answer to, like what to do as a community. But it's a good question. Yes, ma'am. Last question. Okay, last question. So I started running home for I've run homebrew ever since I started DMing. 
I kind of want to use published stuff sometimes, so I don't always have to have 50 yards of material for everything. I struggled running published modules, especially because I play a lot of DP, which is very high fantasy, old school. So do you have any recommendations for kind of working with that material to kind of make it easier to can, can, can I just jump all over this? Yeah, yeah, call yours. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is what modules are for, especially for D&D. Don't feel guilty. You take the bit that you like and you ignore the rest. Um, so I talk about this a lot, but there is this module called Palace of the Silver Princess, and it was the first D&D module written by a woman. Oh, I'm going to hurt you. Here. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Palace of the Silver Princess. So I won't spoil it, but this is a module with glitter traps. I'm like, what is this madness? I love this. There, there are bubbles that want to, like, kill you. Um, so I, I ran it here at Gen Con a couple years ago, and I didn't like the way the map and everything was laid out, so I rewrote it. And I took out the stuff I thought was boring, like the 15 trap doors between you and the treasure... I'm like, no, let's, let's mix it up. Um, so you should, and, and it doesn't have to be from the same system. You know, I have a whole bookshelf full of books that I can just open and be like, this is a cool centaur bunny lady, and she's going to be in my Lamentations game. So just take what you want. Quick mix for that, change the gender of the NPCs. Oh, yeah. Oh, good point. Lots of descriptions. Oh, so, mechanics and maps are things that maps especially you can get from a lot of places or you can draw your own look on drive through RPG there's a lot a lot a lot a lot of good map resources there um, and they are available for nothing or next to nothing so take a look and see if you can find something that works for you better. Thank you all yeah. so much for your participation. Yeah.